Welcome to the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Almeida. Each week, we'll share inspiring stories and tips on facing vulnerability and the lessons we can use to help us be able to find success and fulfillment in our own lives. With each episode, we hope to impact one listener. And if anything you've heard has impacted you, we'd appreciate you sharing it on social. Thank you for listening. Now let's get vulnerable. Renata Suzuki said, Your memory feels like home to me. So whenever my mind wanders, it always finds its way back to you. This is episode 75 of the Vulnerable Podcast with Ronnie Wing Lambricht. Growing up, she faced bullying and teasing just like most of us do. And it would continue up until high school when she finally started to come into her own. But the vulnerability she would face in 2013 would change everything. From her marriage, to her health, and eventually her career. That's because the day after Christmas that year, she would lose her only son in an ATV accident. He was only 15 years old. The grief and pain of his loss was more than enough to deal with, but she also had to deal with the vulnerability of people not knowing what to do or say. It's taken a toll on her physically, and it's taken years to find a doctor who could see it that way. Now, she's doing her best to find purpose behind his passing, by helping families recognize the importance of appreciating each other in all the big and small ways. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get vulnerable with Ronnie Wing Lambricht. Hey, Ronnie, thank you for coming on the Vulnerable Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here today. You're one of the many people that signed up through podcastguest.com. And um, so far, so good. Everybody's had a great story to share, and I'm sure yours is going to be another. So again, thank you for taking the time to come on today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. So the first question I'd like to ask every guest to get started is, what is your definition of vulnerability? Hmm. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, just basically being, being open and um, vulnerable to whatever <laughs> happens um, and uh, being able to share and, and share your own story as well as listen to other people's stories and to be, be human, I guess, is really just be human and be caring and um, just be open to whatever, whatever's going to happen. Uh, I, I, like I, I literally said yesterday and, and uh, that I'm probably going to annoy my listeners because I always sort of say the same thing after people's definition, but nonetheless, I still think it's important to bring up, which is the fact that most people are saying something similar in terms of being open and, and sort of, you know, sharing your story and, and listening. It, like, it's just this, this similar thing that I'm hearing over and over again. And I'm really happy about it because like what I said on, on the one that I recorded yesterday, um, I worry that vulnerability has sort of a negativity behind it. If you look in the definition in the, in the dictionary, it's definitely not something, you know, very like happy and positive. <laughs> um, it's usually about pain and struggle and stuff like that. But what I'm liking is that people are, are defining it differently and defining it for themselves, but that there is that similarity there because I think it's something that we need to sort of, I guess, shift and we need to change is that that definition of vulnerability, I think needs to be something more positive. And we need to realize, you know, when you do decide to open up, there's a certain strength and everything that that comes with that. And I think that's sort of the point that you're trying to get to. And I also like the sort of last point you made there about being human, because I think that's something we all need to start trying to be a little (laughs) bit more of is a little more human, you know, that's the one thing we all share, right? You know, whether we're a different color or whatever, different culture, we're still all human. And if we could all just sort of realize that, I think it would it would help a lot of things so um yeah definitely appreciate that definition absolutely Absolutely. so 
if you can look back on your own life and, and go back as far as you want, I've had people talk to me about when they were five years old, I've had people start around high school, whatever you're comfortable sharing, when would you say would be the first time that you faced some sort of vulnerability in your own life? Hmm. Wow. Um, probably in remembering, it probably was earlier than this, but my guess would be like fifth grade ish. Um, where you're starting to learn about your body and you're starting to learn um, about other people making fun and, um, do you know what I mean? Being, like being bullied and mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And, but being, being open to that and not so much welcoming like the bullying, but <laughs> just welcoming the fact that your body's changing your um, you're learning about crazy things in school, like sex ed and all that kind of stuff. Um, but all the boys are teasing the girls and the girls are teasing the boys and all that kind of stuff. And I think at that point, yeah, I would think that would probably be about the first time that I really remember being really vulnerable. Yeah. Oh, I can, I can definitely understand that. I, I mean, that's something <laughs> I think that's an age, obviously, in a, in a time that most of us have obviously been through in our lifetime. And, and I can definitely, you know, I, I it, just thinking about it right now, as you say that and reflecting back, I, I remember grade five, six being sort of a time in my life where a lot of things shifted in terms of friendships and people. And, and now, you know, that what you're saying, I'm wondering, maybe there was something to do with, with, with some of the things that you're bringing up and the changes that we're going through. But it just, yeah, I can definitely, um, you know, sort of relate. So what would you say sort of helped you get through that time? Was it, you know, friendships that you had? Was it, you know, parents? What, what helped you sort of uh, um, get through that more difficult time in school? Um, definitely two really good friends. Um, and then, and then my, my, my dad, really. Yeah. Was there, was there some sort of advice he gave you or? <laughs> no, I just think that, um, and my mom too, but, but really my dad was really open with us and we could always really talk to him and, um, tell him about our day and what was happening. And, um, and I don't know that he really ever had any, um, any big advice, um, other than, you know, just do what you do and be who you are and be proud of who you are kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but the fact that he was just there to listen, I think, um, was very helpful, you know, to have somebody to bounce ideas off of and that kind of a thing. And so yeah. I guess, so, yeah, it makes sense. Somebody that you can trust too, because I think that, you know, and, and not my own situation, but I, things I've heard in the past is that not everybody has that sort of open relationship with their parents. A lot of, you know, I've heard of stories in the past where, you know, people are afraid to go to their parents about things or, or, you know, they're, their parents are a lot more strict so they're worried about judgment and stuff like that um so i'm glad that you had that sort of open relationship and that ability to sort of have that trust and ability to go to him and and let him know what was going on in your life because i'm sure it helped you uh, you know get through some of these tougher moments would you say that there was a strength that you discovered in yourself at that time like going through bullying going through sort of you know that that weird sort of shift in 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 yourself was there anything that you noticed or that that came up was there like a confidence that came out of you or, or anything like that or anything that you can remember um probably not in fifth grade but <laughs> closer to like um more like ninth or tenth grade ish where I finally kind of was coming into my own and realizing that, hey, um, I really should be taking responsibility for who I am and not caring so much what other people think and um, 
because when you're going through that age 10 to what is that 14 ish um that's when you really care what everybody else thinks of you and um um and so it, it took me a while to to get out of that and to really not care so much about what everybody thought of me um <laughs> and yeah i would say probably ninth or tenth grade is when i started really coming into my own and realizing that um you know what they tell you like if somebody picks on you it's because they don't like themselves they yeah, yeah. you know all that kind of goofy stuff but um <laughs> but i did start kind of believing in that kind of stuff um as i as i got older and and realized that um if somebody picked on me it wasn't a big deal anymore it sounds like some of the advice that your dad gave you about being proud of who you are and being yourself definitely came into play but I'm also want to say that it's pretty uh, incredible that you were able to sort of come to those sort of realizations at an earlier age. I mean, for myself, it took me well into college before I was like starting to gain that confidence and <laughs> being who I am. And, you know, I think I, at, that, at that point in my life, I sort of had a saying of, if you want to be my friend, great. If you don't, it's your loss, not mine. I came to that realization that it's not about sort of people pleasing and stuff like that, but you know, I'm well into my twenties. So it's good that you started a little bit earlier. And I think that, you know, if more of us, whether you're listening to this, podcast you're younger you're older if more of us realize that you know being who you are is what's really important and then the people that sort of accept that will come to you rather than you trying to you know be the, that person for everybody which is something I'm guilty of and I've had other previous guests be guilty of um, I think that that's a much better way to sort of live and you'll, you'll find a lot more happiness in that <laughs> yeah absolutely, absolutely. but I do think that I think we all fall into that category of 100%. the pleasing people and um, you know, I'm still, I'm 48 years old now and I still find myself trying to please everybody else and, um, and not think about myself so much. Um, but, but I think that, I think we all go through that and I think wow. we all, because we're all looking for acceptance all the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Social media doesn't help that either, but that's, a exactly. tangent. that's a tangent <laughs> that we could go on that could take us the rest of the episode. So we won't do that, but I, I definitely, uh, I definitely agree. And I think, yeah, like you said, it's not about perfection, but at least if you can, you know, sort of recognize that you are who you are and, and be comfortable with that, it, it's going to help you sort of move move forward and, and continue to, you know, do the things that you want to do. And, and rather than sort of getting stuck in that constant sort of, again, need to please other people just to make yourself feel better. So, um, but yeah, I can definitely, like I said, it's, it's not like I'm perfect by any means, but at least, you know, we, I think, like I was saying is that if, if you figured that out sooner, you've been able to probably have a lot more growth than some people would just because of the fact that uh, earlier on in your life, you were able to start coming to that realization. So just wanted to, to bring that up. Um, just yeah so, so that the listeners can maybe give it some thought uh, so at this point you know I, I you know I, I those are just definitely I, I like to go through those examples just as you know sort of a, a warm-up to get people to recognize you know like vulnerabilities could have happened way before that you weren't even aware of and what sort of you may have learned from them and and so on but at this point you know I, I wouldn't mind getting into the story that you shared through um, podcastcast.com so however you want to sort of start getting into that um, you know Go ahead and then we'll, we'll go from there. Okay. Well, to really talk about vulnerability, um, there's, um, when you suffer a loss, um, you really become vulnerable to, to, um, to everything that happens in that loss. Um, and almost seven years ago now, it feels like it was this morning still, um, but almost seven years ago, we lost our son in an ATV accident. Um, it was the Sunday after Christmas in 2013. And um, 
he went out on a ride and was hit head on by what's called a sand rail and was killed instantly. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, anyway, and in, in that, in going through that, the vulnerability that you face um, as, as you suffer a loss like that. Um, our son Dalton, he was our only child. He was 15 at the time. Um, he would be 22 now, um, but he'll always be 15 to my husband and I. Um, but, but yeah, just going to, to kind of stick with your theme here and the vulnerability and, and going through that. It's, it's really learning to be open and to be, to have grace and, um, and be open to people's thoughts and their, um, um, I don't know, people don't always know what to say. <laughs> yeah. um, they mostly never know what to say. And there's really nothing you can say that makes anything better. Um, but when, when somebody does say something and it's really stupid, um, <laughs> it's really helpful to just be, just be in the moment and be graceful and be thankful that someone said something like that. And I think that that, um, when, you, when you're going through a grief like this, the other people that are coming to you and they're saying, I'm so sorry for your loss or, you know, whatever, they are very vulnerable um, to the situation and they're scared that they're going to say something wrong and um, scared that they can't say anything right and um, that there's just no getting around um, that vulnerability, not, not knowing right? Um, and I'll tell you as a parent who has lost their only child that um, you can't say anything right. <laughs> it's, it just isn't, um, you know, I think probably the only thing right to say would be, I don't know what to say, um, but I'm sorry you're going through this kind of a thing. Um, it just isn't, there's nothing there that, that is right to say. Um, but, as, but going through this as a parent who has lost her only child, um, being vulnerable to to what what happens to your body as you grieve and um, the feelings that you go through and being vulnerable to the emotions and allowing those emotions to come through and um, not trying to stifle those emotions. I know um, as a man, my husband, you know, has gone through the, I'm a man and I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't show my emotion and all that kind of stuff. But he's gotten past that and he's learned that that if he feels it, he needs to stop and feel it, and he needs to um, move through it. Um, you know, I learned that a little bit earlier on in the transition. It took him, a, you know, a year or two to kind of really get through that. Um, but it is, it's, and, and we meet a lot of parents now who have lost a child and um, who, sorry, I say um all the time. Uh, no. <laughs> but we, we meet a lot of parents, and they're, and it, it is... <clears throat> And it, I think it's men and women equally these days that we meet who try and stifle their emotions and they try and stop themselves from being vulnerable. And, and it seems like those people are the ones who, who um, struggle more on a daily basis and, and have to be on medications and to get through their days. And they, they are dep in depressed mode all the time and they can't come out of it, that kind of a thing. Um, I feel like with John and I, because we are open to it and we are vulnerable and we share, um, I speak to families a lot. I speak to um, parents 
um, who currently have their children. Um, I've tried to turn this around and really make it about um, helping people who still are lucky enough to have their kids make their lives better. Um, but, but being open to just sharing and, and going through the emotions and the feelings and that kind of a thing, I think has, has helped us heal. Um, we'll never be fully healed. We'll always have these scars and it will always hurt every single moment of every day it hurts. Um, but I think that, that if we're just open to it and feeling what's going on in our lives um, and being able to talk to each other about it and that kind of a thing, it definitely makes it um, definitely makes it a better way to go along the grief journey. Yeah. So there's there's definitely a lot I want to I want to touch on, but the first thing I want to say is is you know, kudos to you for sort of deciding to 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 sort of. I know it probably wasn't right away, obviously, but to sort of make this decision to to how try and help others. I had somebody on uh, my podcast a few episodes ago who who lost their husband um, to a terminal illness, and she, one sentence that she said I was just listening back to her episode last night, and and that really hit me was she says uh, she said this pain has to serve. She's so her way of thinking of it was that she wasn't just going to go through all this pain and all this turmoil and all this this hurt and then just let it be that and that's it. She she had a mindset of this pain needs to serve. She needs to find a way that that she can use everything that she's experienced and learned to serve others. And and I think that's similar to what you're doing. And and to me, that's just very commendable because again, you like what you said there towards the end, a lot of people would maybe choose the choice of medication or just being stuck in a depression or whatever it might be. And and you've made that conscious decision to to do something with this. And and I just I wanna, you know, thank you for that because I think that especially a lot of the things you said in there. I mean, I, I had a, a, a grandfather pass away a few years ago and I did a lot of what your husband did. I just suppressed everything and said, I don't want to feel it. And I'm a man and you know, whatever. And I used medications of my own. <laughs> we'll say that and we'll leave it there um, to just sort of keep everything blocked off. And, and I, it wasn't the right way to do it. Um, and not that there's a right and a wrong way, but it definitely didn't help. And when it did come to the moment where I finally decided to, to really sit with it and, and I talked to a family remember and there, all the emotions came out all at once I was like what was that <laughs> and why was I sort of holding it back for so long and, and and obviously this isn't about me but I just want to give that relatability to sort of say like I can relate as a man how sort of that works and and I can't relate as a woman obviously because I'm not one but I can definitely <laughs> see you know in, in terms of just women around me how you know women tend to just deal with their emotions a little better and I don't know what that is I don't know if that's a social you know society thing where you know again like you said we're taught you know men are taught be strong and you know so on and so forth or or if it's just you know just something about our anatomy who knows but um but yeah I can definitely relate with that and I'm sure a lot of people can and the other thing that sort of hit me is when you said when it happened, like that is supposed to be the time of year that, you know, people are, you know, where there's a lot of joy and we're spending time with family and everything like that. And for it to happen at that kind of time, I can only imagine how that sort of added to the the grief because again, it's just that time of year that's, that would be for me, that would probably be extra traumatizing, I guess, to, to go through it at that time of year, especially considering the day before you were probably celebrating and all that. So, um, what I'm just trying to think like what would be like for yourself I guess let's go this way for yourself like 
what did you start to do to, did you just like, cause I'm just thinking about myself, like, and, and what you said about your husband, you know, it took him a year or two to finally come to the realization and to finally open up to letting his emotions and, and dealing with them and, and facing them and everything like that. Like, why would you say that if you can remember and you can reflect on it, why would you say that you were able to sort of maybe meet it quicker? Um, if that's the right way to put it, I, I, I don't know if that makes sense. It does. <laughs> it does. Um, I don't know. I think um, in general, in business and that kind of a thing, I'm out there a whole lot more. I'm a big networker, that kind of thing with business. And in the previous year, I had met three parents who had lost children that year um, in 2013, prior to us losing Dalton. Um, and, and having had watched them go through it and and been in networking groups with these people and seen how they were struggling and that kind of a thing. Um, I think that I was a little bit more open to asking questions and to, um, you know, learn from the people who have gone before you kind of a thing. Um, I also had a very close girlfriend who had lost her daughter, um, I think four years before we lost Dalton. Um, and hers was a very sudden um, death as well. And, so I just, I think that as women, we're gatherers, they say. Um, so, so I spend a lot of time gathering. I spend a lot of time reading. I spend a lot of time listening um, and meeting with people who had previously lost children um, and going to, trying to go to different groups and learn how things are going where, where my husband, and I think probably men in general a lot of times, aren't open to that kind of a thing. So, so John was like, I'm not going to a group. I'm not going to go, you know, sit with a bunch of people who are whining about losing their children kind of a thing. Um, I can't deal with that. I can't listen to other people's stories, that kind of a thing um, where I'm very open. And I've always been in my whole life. I've been a learner um, and a teacher, um, but I've always, no matter what I've been going through or what I've been learning, be it my job or anything, I've always been somebody who wanted to get as much education as possible. So when I went to real estate school, I didn't just stop when I got, you know, when I got my license, I made sure that I was still learning, you know, four to eight hours a week. I was in a classroom and I was learning and that kind of a thing. So in going through grief, because I know this is a lifelong process, um, I have continued to just evolve through it and to to meet people and to it's amazing how you meet people it's like magnet people that come to you who have lost their children now it's the weirdest thing um but but yeah just being open to that and being able to ask questions and and be vulnerable to it and say to people you know so when you were going through this did it affect you this way or um you know just being really open about things uh, what grief does to your body is I cannot even explain to you the amount of money that we have spent on doctor bills and MRIs and CAT scans and all these BS tests <laughs> and doctors don't know a damn thing when it comes to grief. They don't know anything. And I'm sorry to say it like that, but it's so true. They can go to school for a million years and they don't have a freaking clue unless they went through it themselves. Um, and so, so you'll either meet a doctor who blames everything on the grief. Oh, well, you're just feeling this because you're grieving. Right. 
or you'll go meet a doctor and they'll be like, oh no, we need to do this test and this test and this test and this test because you're probably going through heartbreak syndrome or you know, you're gonna, you have a heart murmur now because of what you've been going through or whatever. Um, and it, it's, it's just crazy that nobody knows what it does. And so being, you know, probably stupidly vulnerable to doctors and listening to them and trying to feel better in all different ways. Um, it's just crazy what it does to your body. The, you know, my husband now has diverticulitis and I have this constant heartburn all the time, you know, just things that you didn't have before that like instantly showed up, um, that, that you didn't, didn't have before. Anyway, it's, um, but I think just being, being open and learning is, is the most important thing. Um, and, and my husband doesn't, doesn't get out in public very much. You know, he's a contractor. He goes into people's homes and he works and remodels a bathroom by himself. He doesn't work with people. Um, and whereas me being a realtor, I'm, I'm out in the public all the time and, and I'm out, um, you know, meeting people and, and networking and that kind of a thing. So, so I've been, you know, I've always been out there to do that. My husband's always been kind of an introvert that way. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and I think that that, you know, what you mentioned there at the end has something to do with it too, is, is just our personalities, I'm sure make a difference in terms of, you know, how we may deal with certain things. And it sounds to me like you sort of, for you, it seems like exposure worked, like, uh, you know, some people aren't as comfortable with that. But it seems for me to me that you being able to, you know, whether it was share your story and have other people hear it, or just be around other people, that seemed to really help. And I think that, you know, the support we have, no matter what it, what it is we're going through, whether it's a grieving a loss, whether it's a business that we're starting or one that's failed or whatever it might be, I think that the support that we have around us makes all the difference in terms of the outcome. Um, you know, and, and obviously with your husband being sort of an introvert, I can see how that may have sort of caused that sort of delay um, or that time that it took him to mm -hmm. sort of finally get there because of the fact that he wasn't maybe willing to look for help or willing to have that support, which again, I think everybody does things on their own. And like I said earlier, I don't think there's a right or wrong way, but I, I think a lot of the sort of things that you brought up may help other people that are, are going through something similar just because I, I think it is important to sort of talk to people. Like I said, for me, the moment that things changed for me was the moment that I had a conversation with somebody in my family and, and opened up and, and really learned more about the situation and everything but not everybody's necessarily willing to do that the other thing that I wanted to sort of touch on because I found it interesting um, but when you were when you were first telling the story you talked about sort of you know recognizing the vulnerability of the other person this is something that I've never really heard said and that's why I want to sort of touch on it a bit because a lot of the the episodes that I've had and a lot of the conversations that I have are all about the person's vulnerability like your vulnerability and when you said that you know sort of recognizing that that person coming to you with advice or or worrying about what they're saying there's a certain vulnerability that they have how, how did you sort of come to that sort of conclusion or or what made you recognize that just because I think it's an interesting thing to to sort of um, touch on because again I don't think a lot of people going through that would necessarily look at it that way they probably just look at it as like you're an idiot like why did you say that <laughs> you know like leave me alone get away from me like shut up and you sort of said you know wait a second you know maybe they just don't understand and they're coming to me vulnerable themselves again so how, how did you you get to that just because I'm, I'm a little curious um well the people that have gone before me 
who have who have um, lost children before me and that you know so I had met three that year and then I also had a girlfriend who had lost her daughter um, and the one who had lost her daughter said you know Ronnie people are going to say the stupidest things to you they're just they're gonna they'll say terrible things and you just um and what she does <laughs> is she'll say that was the that was a dumb thing to say and she'll just tell them like straight out and i'm i can't i'm not that open yet <laughs> I, can't, I can't say that but she'll she'll be like okay that was a really dumb thing to say and please if you ever meet someone like me again who has lost their child please don't ever say that again um and so she had kind of told me about that. So I did kind of have a, a background of what she had gone through there. I chose to do it a little bit differently. And, and I don't know which one is right or wrong. Probably her way is better because it's <laughs> teaching people better. Yeah. Um, my way is probably taking more of a passive approach to it where I'm just giving that person grace. And, and, and remembering back when my other three friends had lost their children you know, in that same year that we lost Dalton, um, and thinking, I probably said those stupid things to them too, you know, like, you know, I don't know, God needed another angel, or they were wonderful while they were here on earth, but they needed, you know, that's how it was, you know, how, how it had to be, or, you know, people just say all these dumb platitudes that make no sense at all, um, and I want to punch them in the face when they say them. Um, <laughs> But you were able to hold back, which is good. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but but I think just being thankful that someone tried. Um, we had a really close friend say to us, um, <laughs> this is horrible. Well, just think of it as retiring from parenting early. Now you can travel everywhere you want to go and it'll cost you a lot less money. Yeah. Uh, not and it was not. like, seriously, did you just say that to me? Um but I, you know, I, I just, I was just dumbfounded when he said it and I just stopped. I didn't say a word. I just bit my tongue and then, and it took me probably a month to really process what had happened. And then I thought, you know, on his drive out to our house, he probably thought a billion different things. Like, what am I going to say to them? What could I say to make them feel better? And in his mind, he probably thought that was brilliant. You know, I mean how could he not? I mean, he's think he's thinking positive. He's ending it on a positive note and that kind of a thing. And I, and so I just thought, and again, it took me probably a month to come to this, but I thought, cause I was mad at first. I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe he would say something like this. But that was the one that really made me go, you know, he drove almost an hour to come to our house to see us. First of all, I mean, for someone to take an hour out of their life to do that and then an hour home, I mean, so two hours out of his life plus the time he spent with us, he he cared. He loved us. He he wanted to do something. He wanted to say something. And so he didn't come there to be mean and he didn't come there to say the wrong thing. And that was, to me, um, I really had to just gravitate to that people don't come out and try and be mean people. They're, they're trying to do the right thing. And it's just sometimes it doesn't work out. And, and the other side of it is I'm stupid sometimes too. And I say dumb things in the moment and um, I still do it to this day. I say dumb things in the moment that I shouldn't say. And um, so you just have to give people grace for, 
you know, you think of our president, our president says really stupid things sometimes, but he does great work. So you got to give him some leeway there. Yeah. Um, but, it, but it, um, there's, I don't know. You just have to give people grace sometimes. So. Yeah, the word that was coming to my mind as you were telling that is it sounds like you have uh, quite a quite a bit of empathy is what I'm thinking. You know, grace, I guess, is similar in, in a sense. But I think yes. for me, empathy is what comes up because for you to sort of be able to, you know, again, open up and let people sort of have their moments of whether it's stupidity, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> and accept them for it still, that takes a, a ton of empathy from my understanding of what empathy is and compassion and all that. So it just seems to me that you, you, you're you a very empathetic person and, and able to understand that, yes, that wasn't the right thing to say, you know, it might not have been the best thing they could say, but like you said, even though, it, and even though it took you a month still, I think some people probably would have just ended that relationship there and said, we're not friends anymore. But, right. you know, for you to sort of come to that realization, like you said, that, you know, this person obviously cared for them to take two hours out of their life. And then this person probably had 20 other thoughts on their mind, but out of those 20 or a million or whatever it was, that was the one that they thought was the best. And and you, you recognize that he didn't really mean it in a, in a horrible way, or he didn't have any sort of bad intentions. It's just, he didn't know how to deal with it any better. And I think sometimes part of the problem is, is that, you know, we're, we're so maybe concerned with trying to help people fix what's going on or whatever that we're, we're trying to like do something to not bring up any emotions. Like instead he could have come in and said, you know, I'm so sorry for your loss. You know, I love you guys a ton, you know, anything I can do, please let me know, whatever. And that might've been what you wanted at the time and, and what would have helped at the time, but because maybe he isn't that type of person, maybe it's, that's not in his nature what came out was what he said. But for you, again, right. for you to sort of recognize that uh, and, and have that empathy, I think is, is amazing. And it shows that, I guess that's where sort of this whole idea, like uh, what we talked about earlier came from, where you decided that, you know, I'm going to take this pain and I'm going to try and help other people move through it and, and work through it because it just, it, I don't know. It, it just seems to me that that was something that somebody like you would do, <laughs> if that makes sense, <laughs> knowing what you're, what you're, what you're, you're telling me here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The other thing um, I just wanted to touch on real quick, because you said something a few minutes ago, you said how, like, you know, when this happened, you know, it was like a magnet, people started to come along and you said, that's weird. I don't think it's weird at all. I'll, I'll just say that for <laughs> right, right. I don't think it's weird at all. I don't really believe in coincidences anymore. In the last few years of my life, a lot of things yeah. have happened where it's just like when it happens once or twice, you're like, yeah, coincidence. But then when it continues to happen over and over and over again, it's no longer a coincidence. And I think that, you know, what you said at the beginning in terms of your definition, what you've said multiple times throughout the interview so far is that when you're open, I think it's it's sort of like, I made this analogy uh, yesterday on yesterday's podcast. It's like looking at it as like a door. If your door is like, you know, just creaking like a little bit open, you're only going to get maybe some air and some light and you're maybe going to see the person's face, right? If you open it a little bit more, then you can see them and you can start having more of a conversation and then a little bit more and it's like you're ready to let them in. And then, you know, then the next step is letting them in. It seems to me that you know, your sort of ability to be open and, and sort of swing that door wide open yes. <laughs> is, is, you know, is, is what's probably attracted people in because you're not sort of um, hiding behind it. You're not, you know, sort of reserving yourself. You're sort of saying, here I am, 
you know, if you need something, come. And and I think that's why people have came. I don't think it has anything to do with weirdness or whatever. <laughs> I think it's just the simplicity that you you just show. You're just that type of person where people feel like they can come to you and and talk to you. And and I think again, that's incredible considering what what sort of you've you've been through. Thanks. No, not a problem. I just I just wanted to say that I, I was thinking about it before, but I didn't get a chance to say it. And like I said, I just I don't want people to think stuff like that's weird because I think that that's you know one of the things about our world today is that we 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 try and like look at you know all these different things as like weird or odd or whatever. And I just think that it's just the more I, I don't know if it's connected is the more connected we become with ourselves and the more that we sort of open up our hearts, the more that we become connected with our hearts. And this is something I've talked about as well. I just think these things start to happen. I think a lot of us get stuck in our head too much, which is a dangerous place to be. Um, and, and I think that if you, once you get more connected here, it also helps with what goes on up there and it, and it just sort of changes things. So again, I don't know if you agree with that, but that's just something, you know, I want to, I want to throw out there. I do. And I really believe that just as humans, we're constantly dissecting what's going on around us. We're constantly analyzing and why did that happen on what you know and and in all reality i think it really just is what it is you know and, and like you said you just kind of it isn't coincidence it's you know to me it's the way the story was written that's the only thing that really helps us get through um, losing dalton is there's no logic to why he's gone and someone else is still here or vice versa um but it's just it was written in his story and that's the way it was supposed to be and so, again, it just is what it is. It's just life. Yeah. It, it's weird because I've heard people say that, you know, it is what it is sort of saying. And, and a lot of people are like, well, you know, but I, I think that a lot of times that that's, you know, the truth about it is, like you said, it's life. Like, we don't we don't know when we're going to go. We don't know when that person's going to go. We don't we don't have any idea of any of that. And, and you know, something I read and, and I want to get into for sure. But there's a couple more things I just wanted to touch on. But, you know, is, is when you were when I read the little bio that you provided with um, your your sign up was that you know you, this sort of brought you to the realization of you know appreciating the little moments and and stuff like that and I think that that's something a lot of us were just on this constant cycle of like go to work pay the bills so on and so forth and then retire and so on and so I think we're just on that path and and so we forget about and appreciating these things and we're just so like stuck in our ways that we're we're not able to sort of recognize that hey this is all going to be over at some point. So maybe we should slow down a little bit and, and appreciate things. But like I said, I, I definitely want to get into that. But something that I wanted to touch on a little bit more, if you don't mind, because I, I was really intrigued by it is, is when you said about how sort of like what grief does to your body. Um, because, and the reason I just want to touch on it a bit more, if you don't mind, is because I think that, you know, aside from grief, I think there's a lot of other things that sort of can go on in our lives that have an effect on us more than we know. Um, and, and I thought it was interesting when you said like how doctors don't really understand, like, and I, and I, and I agree. I mean, I, I don't want to bash doctors by any means, but I think there is a lot of things out there that we're not necessarily aware of or that we just try and put a bandaid on or we say you know like try this drug or do this and you know and then next that doesn't work okay here's another one and it's there's <laughs> sort of like this you know sort of constant cycle of let's just try everything until something works rather than trying to get to the root of it so yeah I don't know if you if you can touch on that anymore or um, you know sort of when it started or 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 you know anything that you can sort of bring up because I think it's just an interesting subject for for people to maybe listen in on it and to to think about is like what these the effects that certain things have on you as a, 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 a entirely not just you know sort of mentally or whatever that there's physical as well absolutely and I think just the stress 
I mean, stress of everyday life, you know, affects people's bodies and stuff. Um, but yeah, the stress of, of losing a child is, um, I, I can't even explain, um, but it's horrible. And, and it does, it affects your body in so many crazy ways. And I'll give you an example. Um, many years ago, I was, I was um, diagnosed with, you know, basically just diet, that I had a bad back. I had a car accident when I was 20 years old and that I had a bad back. And then after Dalton died, I got diagnosed with um, degenerative disc disease. And so now we're almost seven years into that. And um, I've just recently seen a couple specialists and, um, and they're saying that for someone who's my age, who has, who's just been diagnosed with this, you know, just a few years back, um, that it's progressing extremely rapidly, that, that it's progressing faster than they've ever seen. Um, and, and, and this doctor actually, he said, yeah, a lot of that has to do with the grief that you're going through. Um, he said that, that I, he said, I see patients who are grieving and I see patients who are just going on with their everyday lives who have never had, who've never gone through a tragedy. And he said, and, and every one of my patients that has gone through a tragedy, they seem to, whatever they have wrong with them seems to progress faster, um, which is obviously not something I wanted to hear, but, <laughs> but, but it happens and it's true. It really, um, no matter what we do in our lives and the stress that we, that we deal, deal with on an everyday basis, if we don't learn how to process that stress, and I suck at that, um, but if we don't learn how to process that stress properly, um, then it does. It really does affect your body in horrible ways. And, um, and these doctors, I mean, I, to tell you in the beginning, any doctor I went to, the first thing they wanted to do was to prescribe a depression medication. And I absolutely would not allow it. I'm not going to be on drugs the rest of my life. Um, where other people that have gone through this would suck that right up and, and do that. I couldn't do it. I just, I knew that that would be something I would probably get addicted to and I didn't want to do it. Um, and so I don't know what kind of strength that was that told me not to do that, but I didn't do it. And I'm so glad that I didn't. Um, but, but I'll tell you, I probably saw, I don't know, seven, eight doctors. And that's the first thing they wanted to do was put me on drugs, you know, give you some depression medication. Cause you know, it'll, make you deal with this better or whatever, yeah. instead of just moving through the grief and learning about grief and, and walking the walk. I'm just curious. And, and just because like you're, you're talking, like you said, you've, you've had, you know, the seven or eight doctors that have just said like prescribe here, this will fix the problem. And then you, you have this doctor that you're saying that, you know, sort of recognize, you know, you're, you're grieving and, and this is what, you know, that tra tragedy or trauma is what's causing sort of things to progress. Um, and, and the sort of the thing that came to mind is, you know, was there a difference in the type of doctor? And what I'm getting at is like, there's, you know, holistic doctors, or there's your traditional doctor. Have you sort of explored those differences? Or was this just like a one off case, you found the guy who just seems to have a different outlook on things? Like, I, I'm just curious, because again, I have had people <laughs> on in the past where they were going to traditional doctors for years, it did nothing for them, then they made the shift to somebody a little more holistic. And all of a sudden, it was like, they actually got some things that worked. So just wanted to, to sort of ask. Yeah, I have, um, I've definitely seen some holistic um, people and, and done different supplements and that kind of thing to try and help. Um, this doctor was just a back doctor. Um, and, and he had just kind of given his, 
his thoughts on that kind of a thing as to what he'd seen on his patients. But, um, and I did go in with the question that could it be that the grief has caused it to be this much worse? Because he kept saying, here, I look at your MRI and I look at your x-rays and it just doesn't seem that it should be this bad. It shouldn't hurt this bad. It shouldn't be, you shouldn't be to where you're not able to walk some days. It shouldn't be that bad. Um, but then, you know, as we, he said, tell me a little bit more about your history and that kind of a thing. And then that's when I mentioned that we had lost our son and because doctors don't ask those questions typically. Um, and so I did, I have learned over time that I do need to bring that out. And I do need to explain that, yes, we have gone through a tragedy in our lives that we're still going through every day and that kind of a thing. And that's when he said, well, you know, I have a lot of patients that have gone through tragedies and they do seem to be progressing in the things that they go through, um, you know, in their diseases or whatever, that, that um, it progresses faster. So, yeah. I'm glad that you found him. Let's put it that way, because yeah. I think that it's, it's probably few and far between to find somebody who, who takes the time and, and tries to understand the situation and also, you know, has taken the time to sort of look at everything that's, that, you know, all their patients and all that kind of stuff to recognize these changes. Because again, I think a lot of doctors, it's just sort of like an equation, one plus one equals two, right? Where it seems like this gentleman is taking some more time. And also, I think it's important what you said there about having questions of your own. Um, yes. I, again, I think far too many of us because, you know, a doctor, you know, they go to school for a really long time. They're very educated. They get paid fairly well, all this kind of stuff. So you're thinking like this person's got to know what they're talking about. Their credibility is sort of just given to them because, you know, they have that certificate and all that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of people just sort of rely on that. They say, well, this person must know what they're doing. So I'm just going to take what they say and, and that's it. Whereas you've taken the approach of like, okay, first off, I'm not just going to go on whatever medication you prescribe because I don't want to, <laughs> which is a, a very strong thing to do for one. Um, but two is the fact that you've sort of came up with those questions and, and sort of almost pushed them a little bit, almost said, okay, yes. wait, like, listen to me, let me ask some questions. What do you think about this and that and so on, right? You're, you're not just sort of into willing to walk in, accept, and that's it, right? And walk away. Exactly. So I think that that's something important for us to sort of take into consideration if you're going through your own health issues or something, maybe have your own questions, maybe do a little bit of Absolutely. your own research. Like, I mean, it's not usually the, the, you know, there's kind of a rabbit hole that you can jump down if, if you go onto Google and you type in, this is my symptom. And then all of a sudden yeah. it's like, worst case scenario, right? Like, I'm not saying to maybe do that, but at least, you know, maybe do some of your own research or, you know, see multiple doctors, whatever the case might be. Um, just because I think, like you said, if you just go with like that first doctor, we may not even be having this conversation because you may not be as open. You may not have, you know, who knows what that medication may have done. And, and so, you know, for you to, to have that strength, like I said, is incredible. And, and I'm glad that you did because I think, like I said, it's given you the ability to not only come on here today, but to, to help others and to sort of work through this in your own way. And, and I think that from what I can see, it's, it's definitely been beneficial. Absolutely. So, a couple of minutes ago, like I said, I, I want to just sort of get into the mindset changer because like I said, reading that your, your, the little bio you provided, you know, I, I, like you said, you're dealing with this every day. It's still definitely, you know, there's still definitely pain there. It's not like it disappears and, and I can only imagine that it never probably will. But how did you sort of eventually get to this mindset of sort of saying to yourself, 
you know, I, you know, got to appreciate the little things and, and you want to show other people to do that because of the fact like you mentioned earlier, there's still a lot of families out there that still have their children, but don't necessarily maybe appreciate it in a sense. And I don't know if appreciates the right word, but um, you know, it's, they don't necessarily, maybe they're taking things for granted and I, I'm guilty of that. And I'm sure a lot of us are. So how did you sort of get to that mindset uh, eventually? Um, well, I know first and foremost, we, we, um, our favorite movie as a family is pay it forward. And, um, Great movie. so when we, uh, when we had Dalton's celebration of his life, we got all these kids, all, all the, we got bracelets made. I don't know if you can see it here, but, um, these bracelets and they say pay it forward mm-hmm. on them. Um, anyway, we got that for, we got bracelets for all the kids because he was 15, you know? these kids need something to to hold on to to Mm -hmm. tangible to touch you know that kind of a thing um and so we we got bracelets for everybody that came to this to the celebration and that kind of a thing and we started this big pay it forward campaign um where we asked people to do something in dalton's memory do something kind for someone else um in dalton's memory because that was something that he loved to do um was to pay it forward um but then moving through our grief journey um it's kind of funny the well it's not funny but our we can't do christmas now john and i just can't do christmas right now we cannot be vulnerable to christmas at this moment um I, i can't do it so um anyway we i think it was the second christmas after we had lost dalton so it would have been 2015 i think Anyway, and it was like the week before Christmas and we were like crawling out of our skin. I can't even explain to you. We, we just had to get away. We had to get away from everybody and out of a place that, you know, everywhere you go, you can't even go to the grocery store without Christmas trees and Christmas lights and all this stuff. And so John came home one day and said, maybe, maybe it would be different in Mexico. Like if we went to a resort or something, I don't know. And so we spent some stupid amount of money that we didn't have. And we flew to this resort in Mexico and used our timeshare. And um, anyway, but while we were there, we went to dinner and it was Dalton's second anniversary of his death. And we're at dinner that night and we're very emotional and all this and talking and whatever. And there's a family next to us, a mom and a dad. And a girl that was about, you know, Dalton's age, probably 13, 14, 15-ish. And they were sitting at that table. So so you're in Mexico. You're on vacation, right? I mean, you have to be on vacation. Mm-hmm. So they're sitting at a dinner table. And mom and dad are on their phones. And that little girl sat there and looked at her parents for at least 20 minutes, if not longer like begging them for attention like you know she'd ask little questions like hey mom or hey dad or whatever and they just kept looking at their phones and it took everything for john to hold me back i wanted to kill them like literally i wanted to strangle them like i would give anything to have dinner with my son again um and these idiots are just throwing it away and they're on vacation no less like put your freaking phones down i was so angry um Anyway, so, so there was that instance. There was another instance where um, we would go get wings every Wednesday night at this wing place. And 
um, I walked in one night and there was a family of four and everybody was sitting there on their phones and I had to wait like 20, 25 minutes for our order to be done. And so I just stood there and I watched, you know, you watch everybody in the restaurant, you people watch or whatever. And this family, the entire time that I stood there and I waited for my dinner to be ready, um, they sat on their phones the whole time, all four of them. And I was so disgusted. And I just kept thinking, what could I do to make an impact that wouldn't be like, you know, strangling them. <laughs> <laughs> and by the time I, my order was ready, I was in tears. And, and the gal that we ordered our wings from, she knew us very well. And um, she's like, Ronnie, what's wrong? And I said, I just can't believe that this family, you know, has wasted all this time with their kids. They this whole time they've all been on their phones. Not a single one of them has looked up. They haven't said, how was your day? They haven't talked to each other. Um, anyway, and I said, okay, so let's do this. Let's take one of Dalton's cards and we have these little pay it forward cards. And um, can I have a piece of paper? And I just wrote them this note and just said, um, please, uh, I, and I told her to order a dessert. So get them the, you know, coolest, you know, great dessert whatever that you have and and make that dessert for them and I'll pay for it and I just wrote them this letter and I just said um my husband and I lost our child you know uh, however long ago it was at that point and um we would do anything to 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 have dessert with our child so if you would please put your phones down and have dessert together and talk to each other that's all I'm asking um anyway and so so that really was a big, those two events were really big turning points for me that we need to do something for families now who are, who are still lucky enough to have their kids who aren't appreciating the time that they have. And, um, you know, I was, I definitely was not the most perfect parent. I guarantee you that I was not the most perfect parent. In fact, I probably sucked in a whole lot of ways. Um, but, but I got to tell you, when we had dinner, our phones were put away because that was the only time in the whole day when you work 80 hours a week, that's the only time in the day that you have to spend with your family. And, um, and it was important to us that we talked at dinner time. And so um, that was a big deal to me. And then to notice that, like, and you'll notice this now, every restaurant that you go into, you will sit and you will look and you will notice that there are people that literally are sitting across from each other. And it could be two adults having a one-to-one -one meeting. Um, it could be a whole family. It could be, you know, a, a married couple. And they sit there on their phones the whole time. Like, why are you even here? Why, why would you come here to eat when you could sit at home, you know, and, and, do the same thing not pay attention to each other like yeah. that's just stupid anyway so at that point was really when it um it really came to fruition that we really needed to do something um to help other parents along with the fact that my husband was going through some really serious um regrets so he was really regretting that he never played baseball with dalton which was the dumbest thing ever because um, Dalton never wanted to play baseball. He didn't like sports at all. Um, <laughs> he liked music and he liked riding his four-wheeler. So, um, and they did things with those, you know, we did all that kind of stuff together. And, um, but John said, well, every dad in the world plays baseball with their kid and I never played baseball with my son. And suddenly that was just a big deal to him that he hadn't done that. And so 
so he would say he would say you know honey you should write about um telling people that you know to to spend time with their kids and to not always be busy with work and to um to to teach them things and that kind of a thing we had gone through this big deal about i don't know it was probably two years before we lost dalton where dalton's old enough he should be mowing the lawn teach him how to mow the lawn well he won't do it the way that i do it john would say he won't do it the way i want him to do it he won't and i'm like well how is he ever going to learn if you don't teach him and so i would argue with him like constantly like just take him out and teach him he's never going to learn if you don't teach him just take the time come on and well it's going to take too long well that's what parenting is all about it takes too long it just takes too long everything you want to do takes too long because you have to teach this little person something every time you're doing something that's what parenting is all about and he would get so angry with me, like, it just takes too much time. And um, anyway, and so John said, you know, you really need to put something out there because you like to write. You need to put something out there and explain to parents that they really need to take the time and teach their kids and spend the time to teach them how to do things that's going to take longer than it would normally take and that kind of a thing. And so with those things going on, that's when I finally came up with the book idea that we need to come up with, you know, several different things that we could teach on where parents could really take more time to be parents oh. instead of uh, I, on life. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I literally am I'm a little emotional over here because, you know, I just, when you said that first story, like it just made me reflect on a time in my life. I was in sales for most of my life and, and my wife and I used to be on vacations and I'd be sitting by the pool on my laptop and, and, and I'm just thinking about like how sort of stupid that was at that point. And I've thought about it already, but like when you sort of brought it to that realization and then obviously, like I said, before we hopped on here today, you know, we just brought our daughter, you know, she's five months old and I'm just thinking about like, you know, I, I definitely, because of my past, I think I'm a little more present now and I can appreciate things a little bit differently, but it just, it made me emotional to see how emotional you were and, and to sort of come to that realization. And I think that that point that you made is relevant, whether you've lost a kid or whether, whether you like, I just think it's a very relevant point to what's going on in the world today. I completely agree with you. You know, I've walked into restaurants and seen the same thing and been like, what the hell? Like, what, what, like, why? Like, you know, like, I don't get it. You know, I, I remember my wife and I going for lunch one time and there was a couple sitting at a table and they were playing a video game that was like phone to phone sitting across from each other oh my gosh and i'm yeah. like 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 what why like why aren't you taking this time to like talk to each other and to like you know my wife and i now like i don't think our phones come out when we go out for dinner um right. my wife's had a rule for a while now that i when when we're at the dinner table no phones out like you know and 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 so i definitely see the importance of that and i think it's a, in a message that everybody needs to hear because I think too far too many of us are getting too occupied with like you're saying whether it's your career whether it's your your phone whether whatever it is we're, we're far too occupied with all these distractions when we the only thing that should be distracting us in my opinion is the people that we love whether right. it's our kids whether it's our, our significant others whether it's our friends I think right now in the in the way that things are going on in the world with with everything that's going on I think that that's a realization that's hit me like a ton of bricks and I'm sure a lot of people because now it's like I messaged a friend the other day and I'm like hey you know you want to get together before the holidays and like you know my place or yours and it was like there's a, there's a thought to it now it's like there's a hesitancy because of everything that's going on and he even said back to me he's like it's weird that I have to think about this now. Like, I can't mm -hmm. just be like, yeah, let's do it. You know, yeah. it's, it's a very weird time. And, and, and I think that, like I said, that that message that you shared is one that is important for everybody. And then whether like, again, whether you've had that loss, whether you've had something 
crazy happen, tragic happen, no matter what, I think a lot of us just need to recognize like you've got a limited time, not for only for yourself, but your family. And we need to sort of start appreciating that. So, so thank you so much for sharing that. I, I could tell that it was bringing up emotions in you. And like I said, with me, it, it definitely hit me in a way too, because like I said, I've, I've suffered some losses and I've, I've reflected on, you know, whether what I should have done or what I could have done. And that's maybe not necessarily the right thing to do, but it, unfortunately it's part of the process. And, and I think a lot of people just need to recognize do things now, like change that now. Don't wait five years, 10 years, even a month, like just change it now, whether it's reaching out through a text message and, and saying what's up, whether it's, you know, calling them, whatever it is, like just start doing it now because we just, we don't know and, and we need to start appreciating that more. So thank you for, for putting that out there because I think that that is a message that I want to keep, keep spreading. So, so thank you for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So getting down to the last few things here, I want to respect your time. We're probably going to run over a little bit, but you know, I, I want to ask like, you, you, you've written this book and obviously a lot of that's come from what's going on. So, but if you could sort of get into as a whole, like everything that sort of you've gone through, um, you know, whether it's, we go back to that original story of, you know, figure out who you are and becoming the person that you are to the loss of your, your son and everything that's happened since then, how would you say everything that you've been through in your lifetime has helped you get to where you're at right now? Hmm. Um, well, I would tell you that you, people will tell you all the time not to let your tragedies define you or not to let, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and, and in many, many ways, losing Dalton has, has defined our lives. It has um, obviously made a humongous mark on our lives and it will every day forever. And I will always be Dalton's mom and I will always talk about him um, and, and want to tell stories about him um, to other people. And, um, it really does define your life. And so being, I think just being open to that and being, um, not, not letting it overtake everything and, and allowing ourselves to still have, have fun and that kind of a thing. I find now that we, um, we have our really dark times, our really, really dark times, but we also have really, really good times now that I don't know that we would have had before um, because we're, I think we just feel things more now because we are more vulnerable. We are allowing ourselves to be more open and more accepting of whatever is happening. And so when we're, when we're you know, listening to live music on a Friday night and we're dancing, um, we are happy and we are smiling and we are loving the time that we're spending together and enjoying it um and and it took us a long time for that to happen because the guilt that goes along with grief is you know i shouldn't be smiling and i shouldn't be going you know going out and i shouldn't be enjoying my life because my son doesn't get to um but when you turn that around and you and you decide that this was his story and it's the way it was supposed to be and um he he did he he did what he was supposed to do while he was here on earth and he gets to be in heaven now he gets to be in a great place and look down on us and he would not want to look down on us and see us unhappy all the time i don't think and so um so we i i think one of the biggest things that has come out of this is that we do we laugh a ton more than we used to laugh we tell jokes all the time we tease each other all the time um we, so it's goofy, but you have more sex now. I, 
I don't know why, but we do. We, um, we are way more in love than we ever were before because I think a lot of that is because we allowed the overwhelmingness of everyday life to get to us constantly. Like, you know, when you're working 80 hours a week and as a realtor, um, you know, you're out with clients whenever they need you, you're running around and you're doing whatever and you're giving up your weekends and you're giving up your nights because that's when people have time to go see houses. And, um, you know, and you're giving up all, all that kind of stuff. I have made a massive change in my life where I still have my real estate license, but I have taken a full-time day job and put my real estate license completely aside um, where now I'm only a referral agent because um, if I do an, a regular 8.30 to 5 job, um, and granted, I work a lot of overtime too, but I'm not working as much overtime as I was. So um, if I'm only working 50 or 60 hours a week, that's a huge difference from 80 to 100 hours a week. Yeah. And And I'm choosing those hours that I'm working. I'm not having a client choose them for me. Like I want to go see this house right now before it goes off the market. You know, I want to go see this house now. I want to go see these three houses now. I, you know, that kind of a thing. And so I've made a conscious choice in my life to get a day job and work for somebody else. And believe me, working for the man sucks a lot of the time. <laughs> it really does. But, um, you know, not having the freedom that I had to do things before and be able to make my own time. And I have to ask if I can take a vacation now and that kind of stuff. It's just stupid. But, um, but it also gives me the time that I have at night. John and I have dinner together every single night now. We are together on the weekends. We go dancing every Friday night. We, we now have a a strict kind of a schedule that we stick to not that we write it all down and we do that but but it's just kind of that's what we do now we just have this thing where when I was a realtor I didn't have that opportunity to do that so so that it's it's um, allowed us to kind of see that too you know I don't make near as much money as I used to make but I have more time with my husband and to me making you know, less than half of what I used to make is it's more important to spend the time with John. That, that time is more valuable to me than an extra 50 grand a year. Yeah. So it's, it's weird, but again, like I said before, weird, but it's probably not the right word to use. Cause again, coincidence is not sure. I believe in them. But, <laughs> um, literally before we hopped on here today, um, we were sitting at my kitchen table with my wife and my father-in-law and he was saying how a few people from where he works have recently retired and, uh, and then passed away literally like right after and we were having this conversation and I was saying you know how people get so comfortable with their life and and they put work before their life because that's what they know and that's all they know and they don't think about the hobbies and the fun stuff like you're saying like dancing I'm just as guilty of it I put work before life for a long long time like I said I was in sales and sales similar to real estate lots of hours Mm -hmm. you know you're putting in extra effort because your your money or your income is based on commissions and stuff like that I work at a factory now does it am I used to doing manual labor hell no do I like doing manual labor (laughs) not really but but the trade-off is exactly what you're talking about I have I punch in I do my job I punch out I don't think about it anymore I don't sales I it was like just constant you know this that that everything else I this email that email this proposal that like it's it's just constant whereas this job allows me the same thing that you're saying it allows me to sort of know okay go to work do my job come home that's it I have my weekends free 
you know, uh, like it just, I, I completely agree, but I think that what, what sort of, like I said, a few a couple seconds ago, what comes to mind is that it's like this equation that people put work before life. And I think it's the other way around. You got to put life before work, you know, and, and, and if you can make your life and your work the same thing, then you've, you know, you've reached that exactly. magical place. <laughs> and I hope that we can all reach that at some point. But, but I think the important part is, is to put your life before work, because unfortunately we don't know, we, like I said, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know when things are going to be, you know, over or whatever. And, and even if you, you know, like, obviously I understand people have to work, you know, things have to get paid for and everything like that, but still try and find something that you just enjoy, like find that joy in your life, find those hobbies, find those things like you're saying, going dancing every Friday, like, cause that makes a huge difference. Whether you hate your job or not, that little thing will make a major difference in how you feel overall compared to if you just right. sort of get stuck in going to work every day and like life sucks and whatever. Cause I'm, I've done that. I'm sure a lot of us have. So I just, yeah life before work 100% and I'm glad that you sort of made that decision because I'm, I'm sure it's made a major difference in your life this next question I wasn't going to ask but I want to just see because I, I feel like you're going to have an interesting answer to it but would you say at this point with everything that you've sort of come to in your life would you say that you found success and fulfillment in your life or that you're still on a journey towards it um that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, I'm always on a journey, um, trying to learn more and be better. Um, I, I've been, I was raised my whole life that you can always be better. You can, you always have to leave something better than the way you found it. Um, so I'm, I'm constantly trying to be more effective and be, be more essential and that kind of a thing. Um, but I do feel like in my marriage, I 100% have found success in my marriage. Um, I can look back now. Uh, I had a lot of regrets in the beginning, and I do still have some regrets. But I can look back now on my parenting and know that I sucked at a lot of it. But there are a lot of things that I did right. Um, and, and if I had to measure success in any way, I know that when Dalton died, he left knowing that his mom and his dad loved him more than anything in the world. And if there is any way to measure your success, it's, to, it's for the people around you to know how much you mean to them, how much they mean to you. Um, and if you're going to measure it at all, that's what you need to be measuring is, is just to make sure that everybody knows. I'm glad I asked it because <laughs> I was right. He definitely had an interesting answer. And I think one that more of a, one that people should listen maybe back to a few times is that way of defining success is uh, definitely different from what I've heard in the past, but really important and, and, and rings true for me and, and I hope for other people as well. So, so thank you for that last question. And then uh, the, the end of the episode, I just want you to sort of promote what, whatever you're doing. But last question I have is if you can look back at everything that's happened and you could come up with three important lessons that whoever's listening to this could maybe use to help them get through whatever they're going through, whether it's similar or different, what would you say those three important lessons would be? Boy. Um, well, first and foremost, just always make sure that the people around you know, you know, how much you care about them and love them. And, and don't just tell them that. Act, you know, make your actions speak louder than words. Um, let them know that they're important by your actions. Um, realize that all these big things that you think you're doing um, are not near as important as the itty bitty things. And um, an example to that is that 
on Sundays, Dalton and I would do the laundry together. And so I would get all the, you know, do all the towels and the socks and the underwear and all that kind of stuff and get it out of the dryer and put it in this humongous basket. And then we'd go to my bed and I would dump it on the bed and Dalton would climb up on the bed. And his job was to sort the socks from the time he was four years old, maybe three years old. That was his job. And up until the weekend before we lost him at 15 years old, we did this every Sunday that he was home and not out with his buddies. Um, but so that Sunday before, um, I'm just so thankful that we had that, that um, we did the laundry that day together. He sorted the socks. We threw them at each other. You know, we talked. Um, but always, always, always after we got done doing the laundry, I always crawled up on the bed with him and we always just laid there and talked for like an hour or two, just about nothing, you know, whatever, nothing, something, whatever, friends, school, whatever's going on, work, you know, whatever. And I am so thankful um, for those times more than anything in the world. Um, I love, sorry. No, it's um, okay. Every day before school, he would come down the stairs and I would be standing at the counter and he would always stop and give me the biggest hug. Um, you know, you spend all these times and all this money planning these huge vacations and, you know, I want to go to Disney or whatever and I want to spend, you know, $6,000 to go take my family to Disney or go on a cruise or go do this or go to a big family reunion or something like that. And I'll tell you, it's those itty bitty moments every single day lay down with your kids at night and talk to them talk about your highs and lows and and everybody talk about their highs and lows get involved and talk about everybody not just them let them know that the world is is not just about them it doesn't just encircle them everybody has a life everybody has feelings teach them that at a young age um and you do that by doing these little things together you know you do chores together and and you hug each other and you ride to school together or whatever you do all those little things. So um, I don't know if I touched on all the things you wanted me to touch. No, 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 no. That's and there. I was, there's usually a third, but if you want to leave at that, I completely understand. I, I mean, those are two pretty impactful lessons. If you do have a third one, I'd love to hear, but if not, that's completely fine. <laughs> yeah. Let's just leave it there. <laughs> all right. That's completely fine. Um, so again, like I said, last thing is really, I just want to, you know, you've taken the time to come on here. You've shared very openly and I appreciate it more than I can put into words because again, these, there's no there's no expectation here for me because we don't know each other so if if things like this happen it just amazes me and humbles me because there's no reason for people to trust me the way that they do and and to open up the way that they do but i appreciate it like i said more than i can put into words but i want to give you an opportunity now at the end here to just promote whatever you want whether it's your book whether it's something else you've got going on whether it's where people can find you on social or what, whatever you want to talk about the floor is yours <laughs> go ahead awesome um, well, I've written this book to help current parents be better parents. Um, it's called Parenting at Your Best, and you can find it on Amazon. Uh, my name is Ronnie Wing Lambrecht, and you can find both of my books on Amazon. I've also written a second book, um, A Parent's Guide for Journaling to Their Child. Uh, one of the things that uh, we, um, we learned after losing Dalton is a lot of people ask what they can do to help. And um, one of the things that we always say is, um, you know, we talk about the things that I told you about earlier, the two lessons or whatever, but I also talk about journaling to your kids and, and making sure that you're always writing to them. And people would say to us, 
well, I wouldn't even know where to start. I wouldn't know what to write. And so I came up with just this little tiny book, um, but it's got like hundreds of ideas of things that you can write about to your kids, like your past. Um, and I did it like past, present, and future, things you could write about for your history, um, things you could write about presently, and things you wish for your kids in the future, that kind of a thing. So um, anyway, so there's those two books. So Parenting at Your Best and then A Parent's Guide for Journaling to Their Child. They're on Amazon. Um, they're also on my website at parentingatyourbestwithoutregrets.com. Awesome. Um, so, and then yeah, are you I'm on social at all or, or is that? Yes. Just... Um, yeah, I am on social um, and it's parenting at your Facebook slash parenting at your best. Um, I'm also Ronnie Wing Lambrecht on Facebook. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Awesome. I'll, I'll link up as much of that as I can in the show notes. Um, because I think that, like I said, a lot of what you talked about today can not only help people that have uh, suffered a similar loss or, or, or anything like that. I think this is something that can help a lot of people, um, and just trying to be better, um, in, in some of the ways that we discussed today. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll link that up again. Like I said, a few minutes ago, um, Thank you. Thank you for coming on. You've, you've definitely made me think you've opened my mind up, which is something that I continue to say on this podcast. This is not just my listeners that are learning. It's me. Uh, and this is something, you know, it's given me something to walk away with because like I said, I, it's not something I've experienced, but I can see where the importance of appreciating the little things definitely makes a difference. I can see where, you know, trying to stay off our phones and trying to be less distracted is going to make a, a, a big difference for all of us, not just for, you know, those of us who, who have been through what you've been through. So, uh, you know, again, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for, for opening up the way that you did and, and trusting me and just sharing the way that you did, because like I said, I think this is going to have an impact on, on a lot of people and, and yeah, I just appreciate it. So thank you again. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and follow the podcast on Instagram at vulnerable.podcast or on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also follow me, Brian Almeida, by searching my name on all platforms. If the podcast has impacted you in any way, I would also greatly appreciate a review. Lastly, if you know anyone with a great story of going from struggle to success, I would love to have them on. Thank you and see you next week.